This podcast does not constitute medical advice. All changes surrounding medications, diet and exercise should be made in consultation with a professional who can assess your unique health circumstances. Welcome to the Patterson Program, where you'll learn how to improve your health from the inside out. And now, your host, Clint Patterson. Here we go again, another fabulous, exciting episode with another very interesting and highly achieving uh, guest on our show. It's Ruben, who's originally from Spain, now living in London, and he's got a fabulous story to share with us about his improvements with his rheumatoid arthritis on the Patterson program. G'day, Ruben. Hello, how are you? I'm really excited. Yeah, this is going to be fun. What we've done is, you know, you've withheld all of the juicy details from me so that we can learn them all, or I can learn them all and the audience can learn them on this podcast. Now, you have been an active member of our support forum, and in there, you kind of treated it like the way that I go shopping to the supermarket. You would just pop in, ask a question, and then you would disappear again. So uh, we didn't learn a lot about you, but you seem to have got a lot out of that because you've told me uh, in just a single sentence that you've made incredible improvements on our program. So uh, just give us a snapshot. Well, that's been like this. I mean, I've been suffering RA for, well, let's say one year and two months already. Okay. And um, for the first year, it was like uh, a disaster. I mean, uh, truly, it was like a, a nightmare for me. I like a lot to, to wait, lift, and so on. And for me, it was like, uh, come on. Uh, I had both knees like, like yours. I mean, like a watermelon, <laughs> to what <laughs> to yeah. just to say. Yeah. And I, was, I wasn't able even to, to bend my knees. I wasn't able to even to, to walk. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So I've been, I was visited for the rheumatologist for, for one year, having metotexate, having not prednisone, but sorts of cortisone on both knees, like seven times. I mean, uh, it was a lot. Yeah. Uh, lots of um, ibuprofen, Yeah, lots of drugs. You know what I mean? I was researching. Uh, since the very, very first day, because I had the idea, the feeling that it just has to, to come from another thing, you know, because I was being told for the doctor that they don't know RA, where it comes from, it comes, the, it comes from genetics, it comes from, I don't know. But I had the feeling, I had the idea and the, the, the hope that RA comes from another, another thing. So from the very first day I was researching and I tried a lot, a lot of diets, a paleo diet, um, which, you know, is, is like half of the progress, Yeah. but still I was bad in a bad moment. And finally, I'm writing to a TED talk from you. I remember that day, like, wow, the first day of my, my improvement, my, my healing. And I decided to, to go to go for it, Clint. I mean, you, the, the, the way you told, the way you, you explained everything is a very inspiration uh, thing for, for all the RA community. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. So 
well, I started your program and I had to say, I mean, it was like one month and in one month I was again lifting weights and for that I, I meaning, I mean, I was squatting, I was biking, I'm jumping, I can run. I mean, everything I, everything I want. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's, that's superb. So now what medications uh, adjustment were you able to make after you began? Obviously your energy level has improved a lot. And uh, you said after one month, you're already biking and lifting weights. So what else has improved? Well, I mean, I'm drug free. I mean, yeah. Right. So you're, you're off the methotrexate now. Exactly. I mean, I've been for the uh, Coflenac and ibuprofen and so on for one year because I couldn't sleep. Clean, and you know what I mean. You know what I'm talking about. I mean, yep. I was I wasn't able to to sleep for one hour in a row every night. I mean, it was a nightmare because of the pain. Well, a yep. lot, a lot. Both of my knees, they were like. Potatoes, melons, and yeah. they were swollen like, like that, like that. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, metotexate. I took it for let's say five months. I didn't feel the difference. I mean, I was in the same bad situation, in the same bad shape as I used to be before taking metotexate. Right. So you you got no relief at all from that drug. Not at all. Mm-hmm. Not interesting. At all. Interesting. Okay. I have to say uh, as well that I didn't feel any any side effects. Exactly. Okay. But so it, it felt like you weren't even taking it. Exactly. Right. Exactly. So once for all, I met again my rheumatologist. I have to say that this doctor is a woman. is a very nice, very nice woman and very nice doctor. But at the end of the day, she, she didn't help me because. He just tried to, I don't know, metotexate, uh, cortisone shots. So they just relieved me in a very short moment, okay? but yeah. they didn't help. Okay? Well, well, they haven't got the tools to help. I mean, all they have is symptomatic relief. And so like, uh, it's like if the house is on fire, they've got some ways of making the flames lower at the windows and on some of your furniture. But if the fire is coming from a gas leak in the oven, they don't go anywhere near the oven. They don't address the gas leak. They just keep addressing the fire that's on the furniture and coming out the windows. But that uh, gas leak is going to continue forever whilst there's still gas coming. And in the case of rheumatoid, when your body is providing that gas via bacteria entering your bloodstream and via the foods that you're eating then this thing's going to go on forever. And that's why in most cases in conventional treatment, people never get off the drugs and they never ever feel like they ever get any control over their condition. Exactly, exactly. Mm. And another thing I have to to add is that, well, my wife and I uh, were trying by then to to have a baby. Okay. I was told that the metotexate was not going to help. Okay. And indeed it didn't. Okay, because I had a sperm test, okay, and my sperm was quite low, okay, and mm-hmm. I was told that metotexate was uh, the main reason for that, okay. Yes. So, yeah, we visit uh, another doctor, an specialist in conceiving a baby and so on, and they told us that, 
hey, with your swelling and with your inflammation, you're not gonna be able to, to conceive ever because uh, the body is like uh, more focused on, on that inflammation than to, to conceive a baby, okay? So I met the, my doctor again, okay? And I told her, look, methotexate is not working, so I want to get off of this lag. So she had her doubts, okay? But finally she, she agreed and she told me to to sign, to start uh, testing me in order to to work with the biological. Yeah. So yeah, what I did is I I discontinued my methotexate, okay? And I was like, well, drug free, but with a lot of pain. Yeah. Okay. Well, luckily, okay, I saw your your TED talk, okay, and they said to me, okay, go for it because this guy. It seems like he knows uh, what he's talking about, okay? <laughs> so yeah, that that exactly day, I made my, my use with my celery and cucumber, and I went for it. Well, I didn't go for the two days in a row, uh, the clean slate and so on, cause I'm quite slim. Yep. So I no went problem. for, exactly. Mm -hmm. I went uh, directly to the, to the baseline, yep. okay? And I have to say, I mean, it was symptomatic like like this. I mean, I was like two months just taking uh, quinoa, uh, basmati rice, buckwheat, sweet potato, and tons tons of green leaves and so on. As yes. you as you advise, and it took me like two weeks, and in two weeks. I was already trying even to run a little bit. Wow. So yeah, massive improvement. So those knees that you had that were swollen up so much, how did they respond when you made these changes? What happened? Yeah. Well, um, I have to say as well that the last time I visited the doctor, okay, mm -hmm. I had an injection of cortisone mm -hmm. in my worst knee. Okay. Mm -hmm. As you have told uh, quite times, this is something maybe can help in in, in some situation, okay? Yep. In situations as extreme swollen and so on as my, my knee used to be. So, yeah, I had that injection. So in that knee, my inflammation went down, okay? The other knee was swollen, but not so much as the other one in that very moment, okay? Because both of knees were like, in a very bad shape for one year, okay? And well, I noticed that day by day, um, my inflammation in the in the knee, which weren't uh, shot, okay, was getting down, okay? Mm -hmm. And yeah, I mean, every single day, I was able to, to move a little bit and to bend farther my knees, you know? Mm -hmm. So it was like, in a feeling like, okay, this is working. I mean, this is working. Okay, so go for it. I mean, keeping day by day the, the diet, stick to the baseline diet. I, I was feeling that, come on, this is working. You have to go for it. Don't stop. Yeah. This is going to lead you in, in your improvement, you know? Yes. So that's what I did. I mean, and come on, every single day I feel stronger. Yeah. 
So one day I said to me, okay, let's try now with some squats just to the box. You know what I mean? I, I put a bench like this. So so under your under your bum, so you would squat just down to a, a like a shallow squat or a, or, exactly yeah. exactly mm-hmm. day by day, just one percent more, one percent more every single day. Yeah, okay, as you say. And now, come on, I'm able. I have to say to squat eighty kilos. I what? Mean, yeah. Wow. And with no box. Now that no w- that would be like your body weight, right? You're squatting exactly. your own body weight on your shoulders. Exactly. Wow. Exactly. Wow. That's amazing. So, okay. So just to, to summarize where we're up to so far with your story. So you're currently not taking any medication and you're able to squat your own body weight using the same knees that previously would keep you up and you have to wake up every hour due to the pain, even when you're on methotrexate and two different painkillers. Exactly. Exactly. And you know what? Now my wife is pregnant. So what? you Yeah. You can imagine. I mean. <laughs> oh, hi. <laughs> she was sitting right next to you the whole time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I wow. mean, you can imagine. This is something because the, the swelling went down and it disappeared and everything is good now. How does that make you feel now that you've got a family you're going to be starting a family exactly exactly and thanks to you and come on it's amazing what can i say yes and your wife she's so beautiful as well you're one of the luckiest men in the world i am i am indeed (laughs) (laughs) so uh i mean are we at a safe level are you past three months is your wife past three months yes 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 so that's now great. We are, See, you've yeah. shared it with your friends and family. How did they react? They, they cannot believe it. I mean, because uh, some months ago, I was in a very bad shape. You know what I mean? I wasn't able to even to walk, even to... And now I can jam, I can walk, and a baby is coming. <laughs> <laughs> How crazy, 12 months. That's a, that's a big turnaround in 12 months, isn't it? It is. Yeah, 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 yeah. And um, my doctor told me that, uh, you know, I'd have to wait about uh, two or three months after coming off the methotrexate before starting for a baby. We ended up waiting a lot longer because uh, even after I came off the methotrexate, I didn't feel physically strong enough to feel like I was, for want of a better word, masculine enough to want to try and start for a baby. You know, it's a weird sort of uh, just a uh, biological sense that I had that I just wanted to feel stronger and better before I started. But, uh, you know, I certainly wasn't squatting, uh, 80 kilograms, uh, or anything like that. So, um, you know, that's, uh, that's great. So you guys have, have, have you cleared that, that danger period? Cause that was a long time ago now that you got about whatever, nearly a year since you've been off that. And, uh, you know, that's just, that's just fantastic. That's the best news ever. It is. It is. And now, I'm excited because on Wednesday I'm visiting again my doctor. Mm-hmm. Okay, so I want to, to tell her about you, about your program, and hey, I think she's gonna listen to me because she's, she's a very nice woman, and I think she will. Mm-hmm. But I t- I'm gonna tell her, listen, if you want to help a lot of people, yeah, to just write to Impartition program, 
and Google and go for it. Mm, go ahead and tell her. And the same thing, this, this, what I'm about to say applies to anyone listening or watching our video. If your rheumatologist wants to speak with me, then I will personally have a conversation with them on Skype or phone and they can contact me and I will pick up the phone and I will spend as long as they want over the phone talking about this. I know that not many rheumatologists will probably accept that invitation because they would consider that to be insulting to their own intelligence perhaps or maybe they're shut down to, to, to ideas that aren't presented to them at the conferences that they pay a lot of money to attend every year uh, or the scientific papers that they read maybe aren't addressing this as, as the primary path forward. However, what I want you to do is to pass on that invitation and anyone, please pass on the invitation. I can be contacted. My team pick up my emails at info at pattersonprogram.com. So whenever there's something that needs my attention, it comes to me. And I will, uh, I will happily follow up on that. And in the interim, what we can do is we can direct them to my TED Talk, which was the talk that you mentioned in your earlier. And also I have the guide for rheumatologists, and I'll put the download link on the show notes of this episode. So anyone who's listening to this can jump onto our website, grab the guide for rheumatologists, and it includes all of the scientific studies that show the link between not just the gut and how it interacts uh, with the immune system and the gut bacteria and how they influence the decisions that our, our uh, gut lining has as to what should be passed through the gut wall and what should be withheld into the intestine, but also all the studies that have been done with people following a diet that's somewhat similar to what I recommend, a low-fat plant-based diet, and how the tremendous improvements that they have made. So when people say to me, why don't you go ahead and do a clinical trial? Well, yes, we have that in the pipelines, but it's a lot of money to do and it's very hard to organize and requires a collaboration. It requires me to hire staff to become research assistants and all of this work that needs to be done. And in the interim, I can present a very, very comprehensive compilation in a, in a document called the Guide for Rheumatologists that people can read and say, well, there you go. Look, there's, the, there's overwhelming evidence here. Do we really need Clint to run this clinical trial? And yes, I will do it because I think that that, that loop needs to be closed. But in the meantime, we're kind of like 90% there with this document that I already have put together. So, you know, you can download that document from inside our support forum and those people who aren't yet members, I'll put put that up uh, on the show notes of this episode. So we can definitely do that. And I'd love to hear, you know, what she says. Um, don't expect if her response is a little underwhelming, you know, a little bit less than you'd, you know, you'd probably want her to like and say, hang on, let's get everyone from the waiting room in. I need everyone to listen to this. Right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, <laughs> for sure it, it won't be like this. Okay. But yeah. I mean, that would be very helpful, very helpful for, you know, a lot of people who are suffering now this this disease, you know, and um, maybe that people they are not able even to to research. I don't know. Oh, I mean, that's right. Yeah, exactly. I've been very lucky because I'm from Spain. I live in UK. I always try to to research in Spanish, you know, because my main language. But maybe that was a mistake, because in Spanish we cannot find this kind of evidence and so on. 
So, wow, I was very lucky to, to research in English and well, to be also so, so focused on this and to run into yours. Mm-hmm. And maybe there are people there that maybe who's not lucky and maybe if they run into your tech talk, they can start your, your plan and they can improve. It's an interesting, it's an interesting point because, you know, the nature of us speaking in English now excludes a very large amount of the world's population and these aren't being transcribed into different languages. However, what I noticed with Dr. Greger from nutritionfacts.org is after he published his book, How Not to Die, he then had the physical book translated into something like 40 or 50 different languages. And through doing that, he was able to reach an enormous market. And so I'm going to be taking a, uh, a lead from his approach which all of this content, you know, it's just it's just too much to to be transcribing. I, there are some, I believe, some kind of uh, tech tools that can be used to transcribe. Sorry, not transcribe, translate uh, languages for people. But when the book is complete, which I'm now working on daily, when the book is complete and published on Amazon, then we have a platform from which that can be translated into multiple languages. And I, th- I think that's the best way forward. Otherwise, it's too much content. So tell us now, with regards to, um, you know, I like to use the words completely and confidently controlled. So how is your condition now in terms of your confidence over it? And what do you do if you have some days where you think, oops, maybe I made a mistake yesterday with something that I ate or something? What's your uh, little system to keep yourself on track? Reset. It's yep. so easy. I mean, mm-hmm. I'm very close to stick to the baseline. Mm-hmm. I just add a little, you know, some foods as oats, some some oats for breakfast, some some squash. Okay, you so you you are having oats for breakfast? Yes. Okay, yes. that's that's very exciting because there's a different nutritional profile between the oats and the rice and buckwheat and quinoa. And so you're getting a nice sort of coverage there. And um, I'm going to be doing a podcast soon with a guest, Richard Matthews, who's been on the podcast several times before. And the whole podcast is just going to be about eating oats because the benefits of eating oats are phenomenal. And the sort of the uh, conundrum is that when we have RA and we begin to try and intervene with our diet, Oats are one of the things that we have to avoid. They seem to be problematic like wheat and barley and, and some other cereal grains. However, because they're inherently gluten-free um, and they only become gluten-containing when their crops are contaminated by neighbouring crops like wheat and barley and so forth, because those crops can, through winds and so forth or processing machines, end up getting into the same into the same um, cereal, then oats are the, are the first reintroduction sort of cereal that's that's in our program and in fact it's it's reasonably well tolerated by a lot of people after they've spent some time on the more the basic diet that that you've been following so where i'm going with this is that i feel extremely confident about your ability to maintain your position through a number of factors one is your determination which is probably an 11 out of 10 right your determination yeah, is is like i think so. 
immense. Yeah. Okay, and having the attitude and determination is 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 essential, and you've got that. You've got the support, obviously, from a loving wife, and so having support is tremendous. You have our support in the support community, and you've had that for several months. Um, the support of your wife, and obviously, uh, you know, your family and friends are delighted with your outcome. So you're very unlikely to go and want to mess that up, right? So you've got what's called positive pressure around you. This positive pressure means that everyone wants to keep you well and you're going to, you know, stick with it, right? It's peer pressure. And also you've got the techniques of being able to reset back to baseline whenever you need to and you've got all that information available to you and you've, you know, you know, you've got me whenever you need that. And but also you've got the the, the reintroduction of oats is so important because it just does so much for the protection of your gut wall through the mucosal creation and also because it just creates so much healthy gut bacteria. They just thrive on that particular food source. And so, uh, you know, when I see people graduate into eating, being able to eat oats off the baseline and into oats particularly, I just feel so, so reassured. You know, it's like, wow, okay, I know what level your gut is at and you have just applied another security system to your house. You've just put on another fire alarm. In fact, no, it's like you've just put another screw over the cap that was sealing off the gas. You know, now you've just put another cap over it. Exactly. Right? Um, yeah, and regarding your last question, what I feel is 100% confidence. I mean, I feel confidence because I have my weapon. You know what I mean? I mean, if any any day I, I don't know, I woke up and I feel my my foot or my or my knee a little bit itchy, I just know that I have to reset. I have mm-hmm. to reset and going to the basics, which is quinoa, buckwheat, and basmati basmati rice for me, mm-hmm. and, the, and the green leaves, mm-hmm. and everything is gonna be back on track. Mm-hmm. So. And- it was the same for me too. Originally, my reset was just the reset that I explained for people, for the beginners when they begin the process. But then it was able to also uh, expand out. And I eventually, my reset I used to be actually just back to the rice because you don't have to reset as far backwards in the process the further forward you get. And you might find that at some point, in fact, my memory is now uh, reminding me that my reset after a while used to actually be uh, curried potatoes on on basmati rice with uh, curry powder mix. So it, instead of it being like uh, buckwheat and quinoa with the uh, with tons of green leaves and the seaweed and the miso paste, it then became uh, rice with the miso paste, or what we call the mega miso meal, and lots of green. Yeah. And then it then it evolved, and my reset became potatoes and rice which was delicious and so a reset was actually just an awesome meal you know what i mean yeah i mean of course I <laughs> yeah mean, same for me same for me i mean for me the determination i know is working and food tastes good so come on what <laughs> yeah. you have to eh? <laughs> and yeah. one one argument that uh that that doctors often make is that the compliance of people just won't be there if they have to, you know, make dietary changes. And that's an argument that I hear a lot. It's kind of the last resort when they think, okay, all right, well, this seems to be working and and, and uh, maybe even there is some evidence here, even though it's, it's kind of 
phenomenal. I mean, you you know that document. Why do people look at that document? There's something like, I'm going to take a guess and say there's over 100 scientific references in there, the Guide for Rheumatologists, and that's just an estimate off my memory. But the last resort they have, well, well oh, maybe people won't do it because, you know, who would want to have to eat lots of rice and who wants to go without their shrimp and oysters, right? But the food's amazing, isn't it? The food tastes exactly. great. Exactly. And people, the people who want to, to improve and who want to be healed are the people who want to, to, to take that food, you know? So come on, go for it. Have, go you, got for any, it. have you got any tips for, for people? Uh, let's go with Ruben's most important things you need to know if you want to improve your rheumatoid arthritis, what would be some things that you would definitely say to a stranger if they just told you they had rheumatoid? Well, I mean, now I look backwards and I completely understand which kind of foods made me worse and worse. And they were dairy, dairy products. Dairy, dairy products, yep. Yes, exactly. And eggs. Eggs, I don't know why. Because uh, every single time I used to eat eggs, uh, my knees were like swollen, swollen, swollen. Hey, can and I ask this? Something. It, were you taking a lot of raw eggs or raw uh, egg uh, whites because of your gym training? Because I noticed that they, they're considered a, a, uh, a desired protein source by people who go to the gym who are just in that mindset. Well, I have to say that uh, for years and years, I used to have uh, egg whites. Okay. Yep. But when I felt uh, I was worse is when I was taking the whole leg. Okay. So maybe because of the fats. Mm. Yeah. Okay. I don't know why. Don't know why. I don't okay. know why. Mm-hmm. And yeah, I mean, uh, my advice maybe when, when you are in a very, very bad shape, don't try to, to overwork. I mean, yep. because of my love of sports and so on, uh, even with my, my swollen knees, I, I tried that it was like a disaster, you know? Right. Every so. single day I started your program and I saw an improvement. That's when I say to me, okay, let's go for it. And every single day now we have to do add a little brick on the, on the wall. Yeah. You no. Know? Good. Mm-hmm. Okay. Let, let, let me, um, Tell me, tell me if this sounds correct based on what you're suggesting or, or observed, is that when your knees were really swollen, it was really hard to move them, you felt that uh, it, it was not uh, a benefit to really try and work them hard, but after you were able to reduce a lot of that swelling, you saw an opportunity to then go and exercise and build them back up again whilst that swelling was going down. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Yeah. Sorry for my English. No, 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 yeah. not at all. Exactly. No, no, no. I just because I that was my experience too. So my experience was that uh, when the swelling went right down in my knee, I saw it as a wonderful opportunity to then go and build the knee back up again. And in fact, uh, it wasn't apparent to me until the swelling went away just how weak and how pathetic my knee had become. It was uh, really, really became very, very um, uh, incapable of doing simple tasks. And when the swelling was there, it kind of acted as a padding, like as a protective padding. But when the, when the swelling went away, 
I felt such weakness in the knee and I had a new set of problems. And that was, how do I rebuild this knee that's now grinding and clicking and, and, uh, and, and feeling very unstable? And so that's when I did what used. So I, I couldn't begin with any weightlifting activity. For me, the first rehabilitation was just sitting on a stationary bike and using the stationary bike. And that was enabling me to both get some movement through the, the knee because it, the knee the joints don't get any blood flow. What they need is the compression of the synovial uh, fluid to deliver nutrients into the knee. And so we got to, we must move our joints. But then also the pushing motion enabled me to start to slowly rebuild some of the connective tissue to the knee. And then with time, I then was also able to uh, do some resistance work on my knee. And yeah, I do lunges. I sometimes do some squats, um, but I just be careful with it. You know, I'm, I, I like it, but often with my two kids, I'm, I, I go into the gym and I've only sometimes got 20, 25 minutes and I do the things that I like and the things that, you know, I'm in a routine of doing and often legs, which take a little longer at the gym. I, I kind of, I kind of try and avoid them, <laughs> you know, uh, so yes, because but if if I needed to do them, absolutely, and they are all that I used to do in the past because that's where one of the biggest problems was. So I enjoy not having to work them out, you know. I started the same with the stationary bike, you know. So maybe ten minutes the first day, the second day was twenty, thirty, and it was like, okay, come on, I'm I'm feeling stronger now. Let's try to do some squats, just half squats. Yep. Let's put some some weight on it. Let's mm-hmm. put some more weight, and yep. come on. Now I feel I feel strong because uh, for one year, not even being able to to bend my knee, my legs were like like this. Yeah, that's I'm it. not a big guy, but yeah, yeah, they were like this. Yeah. But now I, I'm getting getting more muscle. Yeah. So I feel like more confidence even. So. Yeah, exactly. Well, isn't it nice to know that you can return to your same body weight and body strength without any of the toxins and that you're having a very, very clean lifestyle, both in terms of your own health, but also having a a kind living where no one dies because of you wanting to eat whatever you want. And, uh, and you're, you have a net zero or very almost zero impact on the environment by not eating food sources that that cause a lot of environmental problems having to to create them i have to say that i could be not the last one but one of the last ones uh, people in the world to go for a vegan diet (laughs) you know and now here i am (laughs) you and me both you and me both i uh when i gave my talk a couple of weeks ago at veggie fest in chicago i i i had the audience laughing so hard because i said look you know, like you said, I was like the last person ever to uh, to to want to give up meat. I said, if there's people here who are still eating meat, because it's veggie fest, so they come and they, they're not maybe vegetarians yet or they're thinking about it, whatever. And I said, listen, guys, I thought because I've always been skinny that I would actually disappear if I stopped eating meat. Like I said, you think that I'm slim? I said, I thought I was going to be like like a shadow i'd hide behind poles you know what i mean so anyway so everyone could relate to that sort of fear but what we realize is like i'm the exact same weight that i am now now as what i was 
before I got sick. And I haven't, haven't eaten any meat and dairy products in, it's got to be like eight years or seven or eight years or something. So it's a, it really is a fallacy. And I, you know, I don't even kind of feel the need to try and hold up my weight with massive meals and stuff. As long as you eat three meals a day and you're aware of, takes a few months and you get into a routine, you're like, okay, all right, I see that I just need to maybe have an extra little scoop of oatmeal in the morning and that makes the difference between sort of, you know, sliding a little on the weight or, or actually being able to gain a little weight at the gym. And they're tiny tweaks, you know, they're just tiny tweaks, but we, we work them out. Exactly, exactly. Yeah. I mean, same for me, same for me. I, I am now in, in a 3,000 calories diet, maybe. Mm-hmm. Yep. So enough. I mean, uh, maybe yeah. I will be adding some calories and so on when I feel better and I will be regaining weight. That's mm-hmm. it. Mm-hmm. A little bit of patience and, and you will be in the same situation as I used to be. So Yeah, yeah. Like, I have no doubt. I mean, what... I would expect that in another couple of months you'll weigh exactly what you used to weigh. And uh, I just spoke to Chef AJ the other day on a podcast. We haven't released it yet, coming out soon. And she said that uh, the world's strongest man is vegan. So I'm going to try and get him on here, and that'll be a fun chat. <laughs> I don't know. I forgot his name. But, uh, but I mean, we, it even surprises me, and, and it shouldn't, but it still does. But I, I see no... I see no inferiority in terms of masculinity or physical strength whatsoever. If, you know, here we have two men talking about being on a plant-based diet. And I think it's cool, man. I think like plant-based is 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 it. That's the way to go. And having people like yourself be such, you know, ambassadors and, and you look so healthy and you're such a sort of You've got such a story to tell. I mean, it's it's magnetic, you know. People people think, wow, this I want to learn more, you know. It's, it's all thank you for you. I mean, we have to thank you, Clint, for all the work you have been doing, and you know, more and more people will feel the same. Be great, wouldn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Hopefully. Well, that's it. So let's you know keep doing things like this and keep talking positively about what's possible and. I try not to sort of, um, you know, there's lots of ways of of pointing out how the wrong ways of doing things. And there's a lot of other people who uh, claim to have ways forward for autoimmune conditions that I think are absurd and they have huge followings. Our following, you know, what I do uh, is much smaller than some of the more popular versions of trying to address autoimmune conditions that involve meat and other things that people love to eat. They're addicted to them or they believe that they're necessary. And yet, you know, I don't do podcasts where I slam everything that's wrong with these other approaches because that's not how I want to operate. I just want to operate by saying, look, listen, how many people do we need to come on this show? And how many times, like, I've stopped putting testimonials on our website because it just gets stupid. Like, people don't want to scroll all day. Do you know what I mean? And... I just like to, to, to keep putting the information out there with real wonderful people like yourself and, um, and eventually just through sheer overwhelming sort of amount of content and, and evidence and, and so forth, people are going to say, you know what, maybe this message that I've been hearing from this other angle isn't correct and maybe I need to check out this other, 
this other thing. And uh, I thank you. I thank you for for coming on and sharing your story because you're a part of this puzzle for everyone, you know? Welcome. I mean, it feels great to to feel great, you know? So (laughs) (laughs) that's it. That's it. I mean, let's keep going. And now we we know the path and we have to, to go through this exactly the reason, you know? So... Yeah. Thank you, Clean, and hopefully more and more people will feel the same as I'm mm-hmm. feeling now. Yeah, absolutely. Well, thank you. Is there any final thing you'd like to to, to mention to anyone? Any kind of wrap up? Would you like to uh, to add? Have we forgotten anything? Well, basically, um, my advice to that people who wants to to go to to your plan. Okay, I would say to them that if you go go for it 100% because maybe one single thing makes you not to, to, to improve. You know what I mean? So if you go, go 100%. Mm-hmm. For sure. It's very true. It's like I say, the road through the mountain, the path through the mountain is very narrow. And if we put one foot left or right, we can fall off. It's very narrow. So yes, good, good reminder for us. Yeah. Thank you. Um, all right. Well, um, when are you due? When's your baby due? Um, it's in April. Okay. All right. Well, uh, we're a few months off yet, so I look forward to hearing uh, all about uh, all about your little one. And congratulations once again. And uh, thank you for uh, for sharing your story. And I look forward to chatting with you more online. We will. Thank you. Thank you so much. been listening to the Pattison Program. For more information, visit pattisonprogram.com.